This is Cybok, the cybersecurity body of knowledge, distilling the knowledge from internationally recognized experts and providing foundational education and training for the cybersecurity sector. Hello and welcome to Cybok. I'm Dave Bittner from the Cyberwire. Joining us today are Lorenzo Caviero, professor of computer science at UCL Computer Science, and Emiliano de Cristofaro, professor at the University of California. The knowledge guide we're discussing today is security and privacy of AI. So today we're talking about the Cybok topic guide. This is security and privacy of AI. Um, I would love to start off with some high-level stuff here. If I, I could get each of you to kind of give us a, a little bit of a lay of the land from your point of view, from your expertise, where do we kind of find ourselves when it comes to security and privacy, when it comes to artificial intelligence and machine language? Um, Emiliano, why don't you start off for us? This guide is in two parts. So one part uh, is mostly revolving around security, and that's uh, Lorenzo's uh, expertise. And one part is um, revolves around privacy, and that's sort of my expertise. Uh, but overall, we've been looking at uh, understanding and mapping all the different kinds of threats from a security and privacy point of view that stem from the widespread adoption uh, and deployment of machine learning technologies. Um, you may, uh, I'm pretty sure you, you all have heard of ChatGPT and large language models, but machine learning overall or AI has been around and uh, used in our daily lives for many, many years already. Uh, so we, this cyborg, we really can look at different kinds of threats. So for instance, from a privacy point of view, uh, we look at whether or not uh, technologies that use machine learning or AI can be misused so that sensitive information that has been used to build these models um, may be extracted by, uh, by an attacker. So sensitive information like personal information, think about health care information or financial details, uh, social security numbers, and so on. So we, we look at sort of this new avenue of possible threats. Lorenzo, how about your point of view? So I, I, I believe that I would like to echo what Emiliano mentioned. And from a security perspective, um, we've been using machine learning for decades. Uh, when, I, when I say machine learning, I am referring more like, you know, to the generic, more in-use AI term. Um, although the machine learning that we really used is more like data-driven rather than symbolic, but we've been using it for decades. And um, so far, it's been, it's been great in a sense that, you know, it looks that shows promising results, not just in security, but in an overall bunch of other fields. Um, the problem is that if you really look, start digging more uh, deeply into these models, well, you realize that these models are inherently brittle, and the problem stems from the fact that we don't really know how to represent objects that we care about, uh, say, for instance, an image, or in our specific fields, most of the time is some piece of code, in the proper way. And this manifests as a bunch of knock-on, and this has knock-on effects uh, throughout the entire pipeline, where you, can you not only affect the performance of the model in normal regime, but also you observe uh, shift from what the model learned during training time to what is actually observed at testing time. 
And this shifts or drifts, you can even exercise them more thoroughly through what, what is known as adversarial attacks, so attacks that are specifically purposed to find these brittle points and basically break the inference power of machine learning systems. And of course, this refers to more shallow models that are models that are, have, known, have been known for, for decades to more advanced deep learning models. You know, I, I'm curious uh, from both of you for what your uh, reaction has been to tools like ChatGPT kind of capturing the imagination of the general public. You know, as as folks who've been working in this field for a long time, is this a good thing or, or does this provide a, a bit of a distraction? Well, I think that overall ChatGPT has been uh, great in sort of a, um, attracting attention with respect to the capability that uh, these large language models um, can um, can exhibit. Um, so we've been looking at uh, an unprecedented number of, of users worldwide really playing with sort of advanced machine learning in a more active way. So like Lorenzo said, we have, you know, for decades we've been using machine learning and AI sort of behind the scenes uh, without necessarily realizing it. Like, so every time you... You know, you visit the website, you get ads or you get recommendations, right? That um, are 99% of the time uh, the output of, of a machine learning algorithm. We've seen, um, I mean, all the our spam filters or I, I could cite many more uh, examples of sort of passive use of machine learning. But, you know, these chatbots like ChatGPT uh, really put sort of the user in the spotlight um, as, you know, they actively interact with, uh, with the model, right? Um, so that has created a lot of interest, uh, obviously, and has showcased some of the sort of capabilities that these models can can have. But also from you know from a privacy and ethical point of view, we have seen a lot of discussion about potential sort of drawbacks and potential issues with this technology. So the, I think, from my point of view, the biggest threat is the fact that most of the mod of these models are trained on uh, sort of publicly available data of the internet. But there is a very there is there is quite a lack of transparency as to what this data is, where it, where it comes from, what does it include, and things like that, right? So, not knowing you know what how these models have been trained is uh, poses a sort of an existential risk, both from a sort of a, an ethical point of view, in that you know if you, if you get uh, data from you know social networks, you know users might have not really consented to the use of their data. So the classic example is, uh, is data sets collected from Reddit, a social network. So, you know, you post on Reddit, you might not necessarily consent that your data is used by, you know, OpenAI to train uh, ChatGPT and, you know, make uh, billions of dollars out of, out of this technology that is trained on your data. And things get particularly more, more complicated when it comes to maybe art and, you know, some of, you know, more creative expressions. Um, so we've looked and we've been discussing things about, you know, um, a generation of drawings and, and pictures and art in general, right? But also from a privacy point of view, so one of the things that we need to be mindful of is that uh, these models actually memorize, inherently memorize training data. And this training data might include sort of sensitive information, right? So even in, in the case of ChatGPT, there is actually 
a risk that um, such sensitive information may leak from interactions of users with, uh, with these chatbots. Lorenzo, uh, do you have similar thoughts as Emiliano does here? I do, I do. And in fact, I wanted to follow up on what Emiliano mentioned about, uh, for instance, the training data, that there's very little information on understanding how these models uh, have been trained, like you know, what training data they use. And this inherently introduced several challenges or several implications. Because for instance, if you uh, use these models to help, for instance, these generative models to help producing code, if the model has been trained on a large corpus of code and there hasn't been any attempt to vet the quality of the code, there's a very good likelihood that the model generates uh, code that, it, that has uh, software vulnerabilities. And there, has been, there have been studies in the past that shows that this is true. Another problem is that um, I guess that so far there is an inherent inability to quantify the uncertainty of the prediction or or the generative process of these models. So whenever the model gives you an outcome, we are not really able to understand how certain the model is about this outcome or not. And this introduces what, what is known as hallucination. So we say that the model hallucinates. And this is, you know, has a bunch of knock-on effect because you can think how hallucination is not good on code, for instance, because you may create, you know, buggy code that you know, should be helping you on the contrary throughout the software development life cycle. Um, but also, you might actually be able to create uh, fake news or, you know, factual events uh, a lot more easily. And this has implications in, you know, spam campaigns, for instance, so that in the security, not just of the model itself, as Emiliano was mentioning, but also in the security aspect of downstream tasks so that the model is being used. Lorenzo, can we dig in a bit uh, to some of the aspects of adversarial machine learning? You alluded to that earlier. What are some of the topics that you all review here when it comes to that? So when, when it comes about adversarial machine learning, so traditionally, um, uh, the uh, main problems that um, researchers found out is that uh, by adding a small perturbation to an input data. So imagine that you have an image, for instance, an image, and then you add a small perturbation, which is not a random perturbation, but especially crafted perturbation to the image. You're able to retain the visual perception of the image. So say the classic example is that you have a panda and you still have a panda, even if you add this um, adversarial perturbation. But the model is actually... Uh, the model is forced to classify this image erroneously. So you may cause misclassification. And uh, this is a serious problem and connects uh, with one of the, f- the few assumptions that machine learning models rely on and, and therefore that the training data and the testing data should be drawn from the same underlying distribution uh, that oftentimes we don't know what it is. So we use data to actually try to estimate this distribution. Another set of attacks try actually to exploit this assumption, to, to invalidate this assumption in, in a fairly sophisticated way, but this is you know, what they do. And you have adversarial attacks that may affect the model at inference time. These are known as evasive attack or test time attack. And you have similar attacks that actually affect the model at training time. And you can talk in this case about poisoning attack or backdoor and triggering attack. Emiliano, one of the things that's mentioned in this knowledge guide is this notion of trustworthy machine language. Can you touch on that for us? Explain to us what's meant there? 
Yeah, so first of all, I should clarify it's machine learning rather than machine language. Just I'm sorry. Yeah, sorry yeah, sorry to, to be a bit pedantic. But yeah, so I think trustworthy machine learning really is an umbrella term that encompasses a number of different aspects of, um, um, of the technology. So we really strive uh, to make machine learning trustworthy in that we, we strive uh, to make it uh, secure, privacy-friendly, and so um, respect and, and, and um, guarantee an, a number of properties that are you know, desirable in technology in general, but overall, specifically in, uh, in machine learning. So integrity to you know, robustness, so integrity properties, which includes the robustness to uh, adversarial examples and sort of manipulation of the, of the model confidentiality or privacy with respect to leakage of information that might come from having access to, uh, to machine learning models. In some cases, it also encompasses maybe more so, sort of socio-technical properties like uh, fairness or so the fact that, you know, maybe the model should not uh, sort of discriminate or, you know, so act um, in a biased way against uh, particular classes or um, particular subgroups of the population or, you know, with respect to the outcome of the models, we talk about maybe ethics. Um, so like ethical uses of, of, of data or models itself. So it's, it's a, like I said, it's a very much of an umbrella term. And I'm sure I'm probably missing a few things that Lorenzo can help me out with. Um, but really we try to, to make sure that these technologies are fit for purpose and the, they do not uh, pose uh, additional risks for you know users and you know entities and companies and so on. Hmm. Lorenzo, any additional comments there? I mean, is it? I, I think there's this perception that inside these these uh, AI and ML systems, it's kind of a mysterious black box. Is to what degree is that the case? It's a very good question. So uh, one of the properties, for instance, that um, encompass trust, trustworthiness. So trustworthy ML requires the ability to interpret the model inferences and to explain the predictions as well. So these models, I mean, I believe that the math in, in many cases, it, it's well understood. Like you know, when, you, when you build a system and you look at the math, it's well understood. The problem is that you have billions like now with large language models, we end up by having stocking layers of this math, one on top of each other, and you end up by having... Uh, hundreds of millions and billions of parameters. So understanding exactly what is the implication of the training process as you solve this math, so so to speak, becomes a little bit blurry uh, to a human being. Um, so we risk of inherently losing our ability to understand why a prediction has been made and to explain uh, why a prediction has been made. And these are two properties, for instance, that are part of trustworthy ML, which are fairly important because interpretability and explainability can actually help not just end users, but also analysts and um, stakeholders in different level of decision-making processes uh, when using these machine learning systems. Well, in the time we've got left here, I would love to uh, hear from each of you uh, of what you hope people take away from uh, engaging with this content here. Lorenzo, you want to start off for us? My takeaway would be uh, the following. It's a little bit probably 
uh, cheesy and bold at the same time. So machine learning is amazing. So I truly love it as a, as a topic, but we shouldn't really be using it as, as a black box, as, you know, as we've been doing probably in the past. So in the past, uh, this insecurity, and of course, you know, my, com- my conversation revolves mostly about the security aspect. I will leave to Emiliano to talk about privacy aspect. Although in many cases, of course, there are intertwined relationship between the two. And you'll find out that, you know, the blanket is a little bit short. And when you pull it on one side, you just risk of uncovering the other side and vice versa. So when it comes to the security aspect, um, for, for decades, I guess, you know, people, um, the research community, but also practitioners have been primarily focused on performance. So we just wanted the model to perform well. So we wanted to be able to detect a specific threat or to, un, you know, uh, to detect some other threat of interest. Now it's clear that performance is one dimension that we should be looking at. But uh, if you broaden this up in trustworthy AI, trustworthy ML, there are other questions that we should be asking ourselves. You know, how much the model is robust against the uh, adversarial drift, meaning either natural evolution of threats or adversarial manipulation. Um, how does this affect the explainability, the interpretability of the model? And depending on the fields, whether there are ethical concerns or fairness concerns, whether biases are, are part of the data collection process and so forth and so on. So I believe in my perspective is just you not know, core to all this reasoning is the way that we try to represent data that we care about. Uh, and the closer we are to our ideal of uh, conceptual knowledge that we have uh, when, when dealing with an object of interest, say, say for instance, an image, the closer we are to, to its semantics, its, its behavior, the more we become resilient and robust against all these challenges. So my takeaway would be, this is an exciting field to work in, not just from the research perspective, but also for practical aspect. But we need to consider that performance is not the only dimension we should be looking at. There are all these other interesting questions. Some of them are still open problems. We need to understand the implications of these problems because they do affect society at large. Emiliano, what are your thoughts? Uh, that was really great, Lorenzo. Um, it's hard to, to follow that. <laughs> um, right, so if there was one thing that uh, um, I would like people to take away from um, while reading this guide, especially when it comes to, to privacy, um, I think there is a lot of hype uh, around some of these technologies. I mean, we've talked already about large language models and ChatGPT, but in particular, I would say focused on sort of privacy protection. There has been a number of um, sort of new avenues um, that that have come out, you know, with respect to machine learning, things like generation of synthetic data or sort of distributed decentralized learning that, you know, I mean, they're very exciting technologies and there is a lot of great uh, research and development um, work being done there. But like I said, there is also a lot of hype in that they're sort of maybe marketed as one-size-fits-all kind of technologies that can solve all problems uh, in, in the world, and that's not really uh, uh, the case. And on the other hand, there is also a lot of hype with respect to uh, maybe uh, overstated privacy concerns um, in, in, in some of the machine learning uh, tools that, uh, that, we, uh, that we review. So it's, I think we, we try to kind of cut through the hype and provide sort of a, a, um, a general view of what the, the threats actually are, what the 
guarantees actually are with respect to defense technologies. And so I hope this is a, a first start um, for practitioners um, and researchers being in you know, academia or in government or in industry. So I had a lot of um, conversations over the past few years with these practitioners. And, you know, really, uh, for me, it was quite evident that um, we had to uh, do some clarity with respect to these hypes. Uh, so I hope, um, I hope we're, we're able to, um, to pave the way uh, for that. This podcast is a product of the University of Bristol. Cybok is funded by the UK National Cybersecurity Programme and led by the University of Bristol's Professor Awais Rashid, along with Professor Andrew Martin, Professor Steve Scheider, and Dr. Yulia Cherdanseva. The Cybok podcast is produced by The Cyberwire with senior producer Jennifer Iben and Bristol University's Helen Jones. The executive producer is Peter Kilpie, and I'm Dave Bittner. Thanks for listening.